Welcome to Eyes Up, an independent optometry podcast that champions representation, where we see you and give you insight on what the future of your career can look like. I'm your host, Dr. Damaris Raimondi, and today we are going to be talking all about contracts. I'm so excited to talk about this. Let's go. I have been a practicing optometrist for five years now, so I've seen it all from the very good to the very bad. And along the way, I've made some mistakes and I'd like for you to learn from them because when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. Now, there is a lot that could be said about contracts, so this will be a recurring series. Do not miss a thing and subscribe to Eyes Up and follow me on Instagram at EyesUpPod. Do not start a new position and do not sign any contract until you've listened to this episode. Let's get started with the most important rule. Number one, I want you to know that you're in no rush to give an answer to anyone. They need us more than we need them. And for some reason, when we are in fourth year and venturing out and trying to find our first paid position as optometrists, Some of us tell ourselves stories and put ourselves down, and I'm here to recorrect all of that. Listen, I don't care how new you think you are. I don't care if you feel like a place is giving you a chance. I don't care if you think that you don't know enough yet because you literally just passed three different national boards. All right, hey, let's say you failed one of those boards and you're really feeling down about that. You retook it, didn't you? You passed it. You still passed three different boards. You still have your license. You still worked incredibly hard your entire life to get to this point. Regardless, they still need you more than you need them. The thing is that when an employer is looking for a new optometrist, They know months in advance that someone is going on maternity leave, let's say. Months in advance that they're opening up a new location. And if it's a hospital or academic position, their budget for a new hire, that's been decided months in advance. So if a place is giving you a timeline, is rushing you to answer your contract, then that is not the right place for you. Number two, if you have to ask if you are a 1099 optometrist, trust me, you are not. I don't want to hear of anyone taking a 1099 anymore after this episode because a 1099 employee is someone who sets their own hours and brings in all their own equipment. This is a federal definition. You do not want to mess with this. And it's not you. That's not who you are. Yes, there are cases far and few in between where there are optometrists who are working on developing a new wellness concept, doing some programming work online. But you know what? They know. They already know they're at 1099. If you're asking, you are not. And you will always ask for a W-2, period. And most definitely, do not sign any contract as a 1099 employee because that is a contradiction in and of itself. 
Number three, if you are a part-timer and taking a W-2, let's say, you are not signing a contract. Okay, I'll give you some leeway here. You can consider signing a contract if you are getting a lot of benefits as a part-timer or if you're in a unique model where you are getting paid above the market rate. So by unique model, I mean like a nursing home situation or like a mobile optometry situation, fine. All right, but other than that, no contract for you. Number four, you need to understand your contract fully. You should get a lawyer to look at it. You should get as many people as you can who are older than you, right? As many people as you can to look at it and to compare notes even with your own classmates. But ultimately, it's going to be on you to understand everything because you're the one who's going to be working there. So you need to understand your contract completely in every single word. Did you watch the New York Times free Britney Spears documentary? You already know I did. Back in 1999, I had a Britney Spears doll that I got from Claire's. And when you would press her belly button, she would sing, hit me, baby, one more time. Mm. She's incredible. And as I was watching this documentary, she was dropping gems. If you remember, back in her heyday, she was the face of Pepsi, Clairol, Polaroid, Got Milk. And she said, I know all the ins and outs of what I'm doing. I know about all the contracts and all the deals I'm about to do. I'm not just some girl who's listening to my manager. Yes, that is an actual quote from the queen, Britney Spears. And what I gathered from that is, yeah, you can have a team behind you, but you ultimately need to know your contracts in and out because it's representing you and you worked so hard to get you to where you're at right now that that's on you. That's on you to, to stay on top of everything. Number five, that contract should protect you more than it's protecting the employer or at the minimum, it should be 50 50. If most of it sounds like it's protecting the employer, then that's not a contract. That's just you signing your life away. Don't do it. Also, what are you signing? Are, are there benefits being delineated within the contract? Listen, benefits, that is a whole hour podcast long episode in and of itself. But basically for this purposes of this episode, you should be signing some in your contract. If there are no benefits in your contract, what are you signing? Do not do it. Number six negotiate everything. I mean everything. Dr. Marina Sue told me it is easier to ask for more upfront than to hope that it is going to get added on later. Don't hope. This is your career. Ask for everything from the beginning. Ask for your full-time status from the beginning. Ask for all the benefits from the beginning. Negotiate, ask for your highest price, ask for all the things. Negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. That is also its whole all other episode on its own. So we're going to revisit this in the future, benefits and negotiating. Number seven, 
So what does your contract say? It should say some things in your benefit and it should have the expectations laid out in writing. If you're promised to tech and describe, get that in writing. Don't do anything verbally. If there's a contract, it is getting put in there. Number eight, and this was submitted by listener and colleague and classmate, Dr. Reshma Patel. She says, do a paid working interview before submitting your contract. Think of it like a fill-in. Do it, see how you feel about it, have those trial dates, have like a few laid out, right? So that way you can see how it works and then you can put your contract in and make sure you get paid for it. And when you think about it that way, when she brought up this, uh, this tip that I should share with all of you, I realized I actually never did a paid working interview and I almost did one once, but at that point when I was going to do it, I realized it, shoot, I don't even want to go to this place. Like I wasn't even willing to do a one paid day working interview because it, it wasn't worth it for me. And knowing that I had that buffer between that and accepting the position, I was like, great. So always try to figure out if you can do a paid working interview. And if you already feel like you don't even want to do that day, then you got your answer there, whether you should take the job or not. And this is important because, again, like back to the earlier point, sometimes we can feel obligated to take on positions or we may feel rushed or for some reason, oh, this is an amazing opportunity. It would be dumb for me not to take it. But, you know, you know the answer for yourself. And this is the awesome thing about optometry. It can be whatever you want it to be. So don't go off of anyone else's expectations. Don't think that you have to accept something just because on paper it looks like a dream position. If it doesn't feel right for you, it, it isn't. Number nine, this was submitted by our resident copy editor and colleague and dear friend, Dr. Sarah Hashmi. Do not accept any restrictive covenant in that contract. Now, what is a restrictive covenant? Well, I have found definition for all of you. It's also known as a negative covenant, and it's any type of agreement within a contract that restricts in any way. So what we don't want is that we don't want unrealistic non-compete agreements. Yeah, you shouldn't go into a contract thinking that you're going to leave, but at the same time, you want to protect yourself if that happens. You don't know what's going to happen. Your first job is not going to be your last job. So be prepared for that, like a prenup, right? <laughs> but even more important because it's your career on the line, right? Because that's what you're always going to have. All right. If you're within a private practice setting and you're getting employed by another OD owner, fine. You can kind of okay, be okay with the non-compete, but it's got to be reasonable. and you have to keep it to a very, very small radius. Uh, even if it's rural, you know, what are you gonna do, move? No, stick to it and, and get that in writing and get it edited out and fixed and negotiate that. No restrictive covenants. And number 10, this is my biggest contribution to this awesome list of 
Optometry Contracts 101. So you went through all the nine previous steps. You told everybody that you know and their mom. You uh, went to your mentor. You went to your classmates. Everybody looked over your contract. All right, so you got all these questions. You're ready to negotiate. You address these questions to your employer. Number 10 is, how is your employer addressing these questions that you have of your contract? What are they telling you? Are they replying on time? Is it another optometrist themselves who is the one who's answering your questions? Is it a specific HR department? This is important because how they reply and interact with you in this initial exchange is everything. And you got to know your worth. And you're in no rush to answer them. So that's kind of when they'll reveal what they're thinking. I looked back on my very first contract when I first started out and I made all the mistakes above. It was a 1099 position. Should have never taken that. I was given a contract for a 1099 position. I should have never signed that. The contract had no benefits. It literally says this contract does not entitle the employee to any benefits. Literally said that. Nothing was written. No bonus structure was written in there. Nothing. And you know what? For some reason, I, this is what happened to me. I saw this contract. I read it over. I sent it over to my mentor at the time, Dr. Dawson, who we also got an episode with. Go hear it. Home is where the practice is with Dr. Dawson. And she read it. A lot of my other friends read it. And we came up with these questions that we wanted our employer to answer. I sent these questions to my employer. I checked off everything that I said to my to-do list. And when I looked back now, I looked back now in my emails, we had a back and forth with this employer. And when I wrote these questions, do you know, do you know what happened after? I got no reply. There is no history of a written reply to my 10 or so odd questions to this contract. I don't really remember at this point, but what I, what I think happened is that we had verbally spoke about my questions and, you know, I was very gently, you know, told this is how it is. It wasn't that forward because that would have been uncomfortable, but it was more like, hey, just sign it. <laughs> and what did I do? I thought that I did everything, but I just signed it. But I forgot to do the most important thing, which is number 10 on this list, to pay attention to how your employer is following up your questions. Because needless to say, that did end up becoming an issue later on. So I'm realizing this, and I want you to realize this. Learn from, from my mistakes. You can always reach out to me. I'm trying to find a way, if you're not comfortable reaching out about your problems, or trying to figure out how to do like an anonymous submission, I would love to go over things with you. Um, reach out to someone. Reach out to even an old supervisor. You know, we want to help you, but we don't know that you need help. And we all want to be that support system for you. So learn from my mistakes. Listen to this episode again. And if this episode hit a nerve with you, you know, share it with a friend. Leave me a rating and review. And please do my podcast survey. 
I take a lot of time uh, into making these awesome episodes, and I want to continue bringing you this revolutionary content. So please, please tell me your thoughts. My survey is open until March 13th, 2021, and you will be entered to win a $50 Amex gift card. The link for that is in the show notes, or just shoot me a DM. And until next time, say bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, you still there? So if you are, I have a little surprise for you. I am singing. I am singing a few Britney Spears acoustic unplugged covers coming right at you. Hashtag free Britney. My loneliness is killing me. And I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe. When I'm not with you, I lose my mind. Give me a sign. Hit me, baby, one more time. I think I did it again. I made you believe we're more than just friends. Oh, baby, it might seem like a crush, but it doesn't mean that I'm serious. But to lose all my senses, that is just so typically me. Oh, baby, baby, oops, I did it again. I played with your heart, got lost in the game. Oh, baby, baby, oops, you think I'm in love, that I'm sent from above. I'm not that innocent.